We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. All right, episode 20 of Lion Legacy. And yes, this is Ross, not Jared. Jared, I've been bugging him for weeks to let me do the intro. And so as a special cameo for episode 20, I got to do the all right. That's what happens when we get to episode 20. I can't believe that we've had 20 guests. We've been recording this 20 weeks in a row, which is amazing. That's right. We started recording what, back in January? Back in January, yeah. January. Back in January, yeah, which is uh, fantastic. So many amazing stories. It's also been humbling, too, to go out of our own, I would say, comfort zone or what we know from a career standpoint and just learn about so many fantastic Penn Staters and their accomplishments and looking forward to many more as well. That's right. And I feel like I always say, I always want to say, hey, listeners, you're in for a good one. But the fact is we're biased, but we feel like everyone is a good one. And every guest is more impressive than the last. And and it's just, you're right. It's been very humbling just hearing about all of the just the great work and and efforts and accomplishments that are out there. And yeah, I think it's a pleasure for you and I to share that with those that listen to our, our little show here each week. Exactly. And to your point, we have another great well-accomplished guest for episode number 20 we do we spoke with somebody that i feel like most people at penn state either you've heard of him or you know him uh his name is joe batista and he's been affiliated with penn state for decades he was uh, instrumental with the hockey program with the icers back in the day tells us some great stories about how the uh, penn state varsity hockey teams both men and women's came about with uh, the help of uh, the pagulas and, and he's just a, I think he's just a great guy. Yeah. I mean, one, he's, he's a fantastic storyteller. I could yeah. have listened Some... to him for five more hours if time and the, permitted. And the passion, that's one word that comes up many times. Jared and I were listening to, to Joe speak, and I, I think we were just like mesmerized by the stories. He's just got that fire in his belly with everything he does. We're talking about work that he did years ago, talking about people he used to work with, talking about the, the work he's doing today with his book and different speeches that he's doing. It's just that intense passion is there. It's prevalent. And speaking of books, he has a great book, Pragmatic Passion. If you go to his website, pragmaticpassion.com, you could also get it on Amazon. But he did tell us, he said, make sure you let Penn Staters know there's an additional discount if you go to pragmaticpassion.com and on the checkout, Passion 5, like the just five the number is five, the yeah. number five. Exactly. Passion 5 is the code. And he even signs the book, which is great and really interesting philosophy as well. A philosophy that when he told us about it, I was like, I'm on board with that. I believe in that philosophy. He was great. It just everything he spoke about from his coaching days to working in the different front office roles and now as uh, a speaker and an author, it all just comes together so well. And I mean, there are lessons that athletes and non-athletes can take away. It's all just very inspiring. And Jared, thanks again for uh, for letting me do the intro. We're going to drop the puck with Joe Ba. All right. Let's welcome Joe Batista, 1983 Penn State grad from the Smeal College of Business with a degree in marketing, 
commonly called Joba, substitute the P with a B. He's not only a Penn State graduate, but he's had an illustrious career at the university over the course of 26 years. Some of the positions he's held, associate athletic director, executive director of the Nittany Lion Club, and director of major gift fundraising for the Smeal College of Business. He also spent 19 years as head coach of the Penn State hockey team, where his players won 512 games and six American Collegiate Hockey Association National Championships. We can't fail to mention he also played a major, and I put that in capital letters, role in bringing men's and women's varsity hockey to Penn State, which has become a powerhouse. There's a reason they call it Hockey Valley these days. Joe is in both the American Collegiate Hockey Association Hall of Fame, as well as the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame. Today, he's taken his successful philosophy and is helping others as an author, professional speaker, and success coach. Joe, it's a true honor to have you on Lion Legacy. Welcome. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Ross. I'm looking forward to having a fun time with you guys and talking all things blue and white. We are as well. And I got to say, to this day, it's still hard for me to call you Joe since I've always known you as coach. So I'll stick with that. I remember actually distinctly year 2000, my freshman year, sitting in your office. I was part of the Student Hockey Management Association. I've always been a big fan of hockey. And when I got to Penn State, I could just feel the energy with your program. And I remember asking you, hey, why don't we have a varsity hockey team? And I was certainly not the first person to ask you that. You probably were tired of hearing that question for many years. But bottom line, right, it was it was all about the funding. And it was an insignificant number. I've heard this story before about how you helped bring varsity hockey to Penn State. It's such a good story. You've got to share the, the version with, with our listeners. Well, the same question you asked me was exactly what Terry Pagula <laughs> asked me. Is You know, it's interesting because I, I really believe there's people that just think, ah, we just got lucky. This gift fell in our lap. And that, that wouldn't do the story justice because I think that we grew the ICER brand as it was, as we were known back in those days. And we put together a tremendous program. I was surrounded by tremendous people. Paul Cohen, our faculty advisor back in the day, as you know, for our hockey managers, was literally here in my house today. And he lives in North Carolina. He's up visiting. And it was because of this passion that so many of us, including yourself, Jared, you know, had for hockey and for Penn State. And it, and it was going to take this kind of intersection of that passion with somebody's loyalty. And that's what happened with Terry Pagula. So his son, Michael, his oldest son, used to come to hockey camp at Penn State. And his family used to come to see the Icers play. They had a house here in State College. He called me up here at home one night out of the clear blue sky in, in November of 2005 and said, I don't know if you remember me or not. My kid came to your camp, blah, blah, blah. He said, why aren't we playing Minnesota and Michigan and Notre Dame and Boston College? Why aren't we a varsity team? And I was, my first reaction was, boy, if I had a dollar for every time I got asked that. And I said, budget, facility, Title IX, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, he goes, you like steak? I'm like, yeah. He goes, where Kelly's is? I said, sure. He goes, meet me there in 15 minutes. I'm in town. I'll treat you to dinner. And he hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
what, what I'm looking at my wife, she's got dinner on the table and it was rare for me to be able to eat dinner with the family during hockey season. Cause that was the last year I coached. And so I went, I walk in, I'm like, Oh, I recognize this guy. I sit down, we shake hands. He asks me how I'm doing. What's it going to take? I mean, he cuts right to the chase. What's it going to take? So I thought, all right, this will be like a short conversation. 50 million. He leans back, rubs his chin and says, I think I can help you with that. I sat up, looked at him and said, okay, you got my attention. So we started talking about what it was really going to take and it wasn't going to be easy. And because, you know what, just because you have the money doesn't mean it's that's all. There are a lot of things have to fall in place. We were lucky that we had champions within the administration. Peter Weiler, who unfortunately passed away after a bicycle accident. He was in the middle. He was in the old main. He had been helping us you know, because we already had designed a double sheet arena. We already had the pro forma done for what it would cost to run a rink to play division one hockey, Paul Silvis in town here and Don Bowler. And we had a lot of people, including Ray Lombra, who was one of my assistant coaches and associate dean of uh, liberal arts. And just th this group of people that had this passion, plus our booster club, which you know, those people were the best. They, they did it really out of the goodness of their heart. It looked like it was going to happen. We funded a feasibility study. Crawford Real Architects came in and, and did the mock-up and everything. And in 2008, it looked like he was going to sell his company and this was all going to start to happen. And then we all know what happened in 2008, the great recession hits. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? We're this close. How cruel can the hockey gods be? Lo and behold, two, two years later, the market rebounds. He sells East Resources for $4.7 billion. And that was in May of 2010. And so in June and July, our talk started heating up. And he June uh, August 25th, I'm literally shaking hands with Mike Ruzioni, the captain of the 1980 Olympic team, fundraiser for Boston University. I said, Mike, uh, thank you for the tour. We're hoping for our own miracle on ice. I'm hoping to hear from Terry Pagula soon. Walk across Commonwealth Avenue in Boston and my, get a text message. It says, it's from Terry. and It just says, great day for hockey. Just signed agreement. And I, I just burst out in tears. It was like, wow, this is actually going to happen. And a lot happened in between those right. five years from that first conversation till that. And Jared Bross, there's so many people that played parts in this. Tim Curley, Graham Spanier. There, there are lots of Penn Staters behind the scenes that all made this happen. But at the end of the day, this was the perfect intersection of Terry Pagula's passion for Penn State and hockey, the Icers and, and all our supporters. And, and it just it happened and I today to this day I still I drive by Pagul Ice Arena and just I can't help but smile ear to ear. That's amazing, Joe. Thanks for for sharing that story. J uh, Jared, how many times have you heard that one? <laughs> I've heard it a few times. And but some honestly, but I feel like that's a story that is great every time you hear it. It's great. I get chills every time I hear it as well. It's fantastic. Joe, that's the first time I've heard it, and I, I enjoyed it. That's fantastic. Joe, I want to dive into your career and your background a little bit here. Jason, your history, you certainly seem like somebody who enjoys a new challenge after a few years, after you've made some major milestones. You helped build the great hockey arena with all of the folks that you mentioned there and the varsity teams. And then you left for a position with the Buffalo Sabres. 
most people would have just rode off into the sunset at that point. But other than it being a professional hockey team, what was the appeal to leave Penn State for the NHL Sabres? I think part of it was the journey. Everybody forgets that you reach that, the dream came true. And then you sometimes sit back and go, okay, now what? <laughs> it was, I, I, I will tell you guys, I, am, I was never a great administrator. And me being an associate AD in charge of administration, that just wasn't a good fit for me. Terry and I had talked on and off about maybe someday I would join them in Buffalo. And they were in the process of building Harbor Center, which is a double rink facility up there. And Mortensen, who built Pagula Ice Arena here in, in University Park, was their contractor there. So you know, the opportunity presented itself. He said, our dream came true at Penn State. What about coming up, helping me with another dream in Buffalo? And it's kind of like, all right, I learned a long time ago that when somebody offers you that chance at the brass ring, you better grab it. It, it may or may not work out. You're going to get those very few times in your life. At that point, my kids were a little older. My, my Everything was good financially with the family and everything. And I said, you know what? I got to give this a shot. And I don't know if you guys remember Bino Cook. He was a ESPN and football analyst long sure. ago. Yep. He passed away, but I actually shared an office with him when I was working for the Pittsburgh Penguins right out of Penn State. That was my first job. And, and I remember he's the one that said that to me, when you get this opportunity, you take it, don't worry, don't think it through and just, you got to grab it. You got to go for it. And I'm glad I did. Ultimately, it wasn't quite what it, we all had hoped it would be. And, and I had a three-year deal up there and Hey, you know what? It just wasn't the right thing. I, I always say, look, I wasn't in over my head. I, I think we did some great things while I was there for the, because I worked predominantly with the behind the scenes stuff, but I, I certainly was out of my league in some respects. Should have probably done a little bit better homework on the inner workings of the NHL. I was a little bit still naive about some things and relationships with other teams and the league and those sorts of things, but I don't regret it at all. It was a tremendous experience and watching what the Pagulas did in transforming Canal Side in that area where the old Buffalo Odd was, it was a dump, that area, until they went in there and they just totally revitalized it. And it is so vibrant. And pre-COVID, of course, they'd have free concerts out in the that area, right around the arena. They, let's face it, the Pagulas saved Buffalo is a sports town. People, they want to be critical because the Sabres haven't won. The Bills are certainly ahead in the right direction. If it weren't for Terry and Kim, both those franchises would probably no longer be in Buffalo. It's easy to forget that. Okay. And it's, at some point, they're going to get the Sabres turned around. But in, in the meantime, they're enjoying the Bills. And the city of Buffalo and all of Western New York, quite frankly, have benefited from Terry and Kim's energy and passion. And, and they love that part of the country. 
well said. And Jared listed out some of your major accomplishments and the list was on and on that he had at the beginning there. So very impressive. Legend in my own mind. Absolutely. And it's only fitting that you wrote a book about philosophy or your philosophy, I should say. You're also a professional coach. You speak with a number of companies. The name of your book is The Power of Pragmatic Passion, Seven Common Sense Principles for Achieving Personal and Professional Success. So that said, share a little bit with us about what your philosophy is. I have been blessed, guys, to have been around so many just tremendous people in my life. Coach Paterno being one of them, but also Herb Brooks, Bob Johnson, Ted Sater, Keith Blaze, these people from USA Hockey that have made EJ McGuire, who used to uh, coach in NHL and a tremendous coach. The hockey community, just so many great people. My dad was my coach growing up, but in baseball and softball, not hockey, but thankfully he allowed my brother and I to pursue our passion, which was hockey is he played minor league baseball. And so I I know it was hard for him when we decided to do that, but I, I wanted to write a book to think about the lessons I had learned, what was important and what one of the driving forces Ross was even watching my own kids and, and, and other kids their age, you're talking to people, oh, you can be anything you want to be. Just do what you love. That's what I mean. I kept thinking, that's a lot easier said than done. You can't just tell people to do what they love. The, the passion alone is not enough. And, and it is essential. It's necessary. But in and of itself, passion. Look, I'm passionate about golf. I'm passionate about reading books on the beach and having a pina colada at the tiki bar for happy hour right now in my life. I haven't found anybody out there willing to pay me to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> passion in and of itself isn't enough. You still have to have that pragmatic piece. You have to have skills. You have to have knowledge. You have to have competencies. You have to have a work ethic. You've got to be able to network. There's more, much more to it. And so I ended up, I came up with these seven principles. They spell out the word. I'll bet you'll find this hard to believe passion. Okay. But it's purpose, attitude, sacrifice, servant leadership, inspiration, options, which is decision-making, and uh, the N is for nurturing, okay? Nurturing yourself and others. It's never stop learning. And, and, and basically what I do when I speak to people, and I ask this question at the beginning of all my sessions, especially with corporations, how many of you believe that if you were had your act together and were happy in your personal life, you would be a better employee at work? And, and usually it's pretty unanimous. I said, okay, same thing. If you were doing really well at your job and, and being successful, wouldn't you therefore also logically, common sense, be happier at home? And yet we too often want to believe these things don't intersect. And matter of fact, with the old fashioned way, oh, you never mix those two. And I'm like, look, it's not about work-life balance here. This is work-life integration. All right. There's going to be a time when you need to be at work. You got to be able to say to your family, I got a big project. I got to stay. This is important for our future as a family, whatever. There's also a time when you got to look at your boss and say, hey, my kids got a dance recital or a big game or there's a health issue. I got to be with them. And to me, if you start off with the right core values, those decisions become easier for you to make at those moments of truth. And so that's what I, I, I decided I wanted to do that. And so 
I, I told my own story about how you know, I came to Penn State become a nuclear engineer. Why? Because my mom worked at Westinghouse's nuclear center. My guidance counselor said, you're good at math and science. And I said, why don't you do that? And I was like, sure. When do we drop the puck? You know, because when I was 18, <laughs> I was playing in NHL. All right. And we didn't know any better. And I, I will tell you that the, the best thing that ever happened to me was meeting Jim Kelly, who was a DUS advisor. And he changed my life. He was the one that said, look, you can be in pro sports, college sports, without being a player. You, you can be in the business side, the administrative side. So Jared knows all about what this is like. And it's not going to be easy. It's a tough field. But it was what I was interested in. It was what I was passionate about. And as they say, the rest is history. But I've enjoyed being an author. Never thought I'd write a book. Um, working on a second one right now. And if I can help other people, that's what matters to me. Fantastic. Well, I think there's a lot of people that are glad you did not become a nuclear engineer as well. So. <laughs> yeah, especially people in the nuclear industry. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and I love that philosophy too. I, I certainly am aligned with, with everything you said, and we'll make sure that we put the link to your book in the show notes and in our newsletters as well. So people can check that out. We have a great partnership with the Daily Collegian. Certainly you're very familiar with the Daily Collegian because I know you, they used to interview you quite a bit about the hockey team, but every week and every episode, students submit a question or multiple questions, and then we pick one. And this week's student question of the episode comes from Catherine Curden, a junior studying sports entertainment marketing, something that I don't think was there around a major or a minor or a class when I was there. So enjoy it, Catherine, because that's a great uh, field to be in. And Catherine wants to know, what value or foundation did you find is most important when creating a strategy for overall success? Uh, I that is such a great question because to me, it goes back to the book. The P in passion stands for purpose. And unless you have a purpose, you're just going to flitter around in the wind and you're going to go wherever the wind blows you. And so to me, being able to look in the mirror and ask yourself that very difficult question, what matters most to me? All right. And it's not easy. And that's why I think a lot of people don't ever do it because they're almost afraid. What if I don't say the right thing? There is no right thing. It's what matters to you. And I think, you know, that's where coaching, when you need to work with a coach, I have a coach. Okay. And it, it's, you just, we all need that inspiration, that motivation in our lives. And so to me, I, I, when, when I look at it all, the core values, you got to care. You got to care about something. You got to care about people. You got to care about events. There's if as long as you have that caring attitude, a lot of good things can happen for you in your life. And that, and I know there's other people that would say there's other things. It's ambition or it's work ethic. For me, I've always said that if at the end of the day, when I'm put in the ground or my ashes are spread on some ice rink somewhere. I, I, I hope that the marker that will be left behind just simply says he cared and tried to make other people's lives better. And so that's my passion. But I do, I think everybody should know. And that's one of the questions I ask anytime, whether it's with a client or with a group, tell me what your five core values are. 
And you ought to be able to spit it out like that. And most people, again, we don't teach people this in school. If, if you're lucky to have parents who are going to guide you, but we can't assume that. You can't even assume that people have two parents. You can't assume any of those things. And that's a big problem with our kind of unconscious biases that we all think people have it like we do. That's not the case. And so I think you have to zero in. Remember the, the movie City Slickers? I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but there's a character in there named Curly, and he says, it's, it's this, the one thing. And what is that one thing? And, and you got to zero in a focus. For me, it was that passion that I had for growing the game of hockey. And because I, I think because I cared, I was willing to go the extra mile put the late hours in, do the things, put my neck out on the line, which I've done more than one occasion. And that that's what it takes. You got to figure out what is that one thing for me? It's caring. And then, and then Joe, on the flip side, and I think you started to touch upon it, but we'll put a finer point on it here, whether it be in business or sports. So what do you think is the biggest obstacle is this preventing people from finding their own success? However, they're defined courage, no hesitation whatsoever. I think people have plans, they have dreams, they, they don't execute because at some point they, they either have the imposter syndrome. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'll never make it. That other person's better than me. You got to get past that. And I think uh, courage is the most under estimated character trait that we've got. We've studied leadership to death. To me, I think you can sum up most aspects of leadership come down to courage. You know what needs to be said. You know what needs to be done. But will you have the courage to say it, do it when it matters most? Hey, we all make decisions every day. Where are we going to eat? What are we going to eat when we get up? I'm not talking about it. Those are easy things. I'm talking about when you got to look a best friend in the eye and tell them they're not getting it done. And you're telling them that because you care about them. And it gets back to that caring value. Matter of fact, the term I heard at a program was carefrontation. You're not trying to look at a confrontation. You're, you care about that person. So you're going to have this carefrontation with them and they're going to tell them what they may not want to hear, but they're going to be better for having heard it. And that takes courage. And I think it's just, it's courage to stick to your guns when things start to get tough. Who could have imagined what we're going through right now? And I, I sit back and say to people all the time, what did you do? You know, would you, matter of fact, your guest from a couple weeks ago, Brian Cuban's brother, Mark Cuban, I heard him on a podcast say the first thing a lot of interviewers are going to ask college students is, what did you do during the great pandemic? Did you just sit around and, you know, binge watch shows on Netflix? Or did you do something to put yourself in a position to be a better version of you when we come out of this thing? And so, again, to me, it, it just gets back to having the courage to do things and stick your neck out there. Don't worry about likes and who's following you and all that. I mean, that, that'll that take care of itself if you do a good job. Excellent answer. We appreciate that. And we appreciate your philosophy. I'm going to shift uh, gears a little bit here. As you, as we spoke about, you were involved with coll collegiate athletics for many years. And now that you're not in the uh, an official role there anymore, uh, we, you can probably answer this. Towards collegiate athletics in general, if you could change one thing, what would it be? I, I think that I'm going to be philosophical it's significance. 
okay? The money has made us lose our minds on some of the things that we do. It's crazy. You got football coaches making nine times as much as the president of the university. There's something wrong with that. I'm sorry. Nothing against Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, but, and I don't mean anything, you know, my coaching colleagues are probably, oh, I can't believe you say, hey, that's what I believe. Okay. I just think there's too much money. It's gotten a little too out of hand. And I'm really worried about what's going to happen with this name, image, and likeness. I, I think the unintended consequences, I get it because hockey's actually, if you think about it, we're, we've been out, out ahead of the game. You, you can go become a pro at 18, 19 years old, and we do follow basketball to a certain extent where you can be one and done or two and done, that sort of thing. But, but the reality is that I, I just can't imagine being on a team where two or three of my teammates are getting paid big money. And what's that going to do to team dynamics? You're the center and your quarterbacks are driving a BMW from the local car dealership and you're pissed at him about something. What are you going to do? You know what? I don't think I'll let this guy go and knock him on his keister. You know, it's different. I'm sure it will work itself out. Uh, and I, the other thing is, I think it's going to impact very small number of players. Everybody thinks this is going to be this big, you know, windfall. No, it's going to help out. And the other thing is, I think it's going to, it's going to even make the gap between the haves and the have nots in division one even further, because if you're in a town like Columbus or Minneapolis, where, where you've got corporate headquarters, you're going to have access to more sponsorships than a place like State College, Pennsylvania. Sorry, we're in the middle of nowhere. I, I hope I'm wrong, quite frankly, guys. I, I hope that somebody out there has a better handle on this than I do. All very great and valid points right there. So we'll have to see how this unfolds in the next few years. Sure. I know you mentioned the late coach Joe Paterno earlier in the show, and I know he was a mentor of yours. I believe he wrote you a letter of recommendation early on in your career to help you get a job, I believe, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. When you look back on that relationship, what's one or two takeaways? Probably the most important thing was the grand experiment. It was this idea that, yes, you can be a student athlete. And it doesn't have to be all about the idea that you're going to play pro. That you're first and foremost, you're going to get an education. And that's the thing that I tried. You know, when I talked to any of the Icer players when I coached, that was the first thing I said. Family comes first, school comes second, and hockey is third. All right. And you got to understand that's just the way we're, we're going to do things. And that that was easy to convey because we had coach, you know, who lived it and he proved it can be done. We won't even get into what a shame it is that the things turned out the way they did. I think it's a shame and none of us knows what really happened. And I don't know that we ever will. But for a person's like that made such an impact on so many people to have it come down to this grayish issue that, you know, why do you have to say, wow, he was just a bet? No, he accomplished so much, impacted so many people in what he did for Penn State University, not just Penn State football, the university. He helped put us on the map. And anybody that thinks different is kidding themselves. Okay. And the other thing that, that, that really stood out was that he said, and I've heard him speak back in the day so many times, you know, believe deep down in your heart, you're meant for greatness. And that's one of the things I say is like your attitude, you have to believe in you 
Because if, if you don't believe in you, no one else is going to. I hope you don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, can't wait to be average today. <laughs> you know, I hope you're going to look in the mirror and say to the person staring back at you, hey, it's me and you against the world. When do we attack? Co Coach was a great influence on all of us. And he, our president of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Paul Martha, who did not play at Penn State, he actually went to Pitt. Coach Paterno recruited him. I'm not as dumb as I look sometimes, and I put two and two together. He, he knows Paul. He recruited Paul Martha. You know, would you write a letter recommendation? And he agreed to do it. Very gracious. And uh, and I got to tell you, it was a great joy that when I became executive director of Nittany Lion Club that I actually got to work pretty close with Coach later uh, from 2006 to 2009. So hoping that someday soon there will be a recognition, a true recognition of what he meant and that people will get over the fact that, okay, if he had a, you know, a moment that, that things didn't go, who among us wants to be judged by our perceived worst day, right? Instead, let's recognize all the great things and we'll leave it with, hey, out of his own mouth, he said, in hindsight, I wished I'd have done more. All right. And and leave it at that. He left a mark on this university. And I think I hope my alma mater at some someday will have the courage. Remember that word, the courage to show the leadership necessary. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks. You know, they're going to think what they want anyway. Let's take care of us. And then I hope that they'll recognize him. So great question, by the way. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that as well. So we're actually going to transition now, even though we spoke a lot about Penn State before, but we're going to even speak a little bit more. And we're going to put you in the Lions then. And this is brought to us by our friends at Lions Pride. Reminisce about your time at Penn State. And just remember, when you want to show off your Penn State pride, visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. And this, we also call this show, of course, Lion Legacy. And you are a true lion legacy, right? Because your wife, Heidi, is a Penn Stater, <laughs> 1981 bachelors, 1983 masters. And then your three kids, Brianna, 2015, Jonathan, 2016, and Ryan, class of 2023, are all Penn Staters, which is just amazing. First, we want to know, how did you meet your wife? And then give us a little bit of an update on, on your kids as well. All right, well, before we do that, I got to give a shout out to my boy, Steve Moyer at Lions Pride. I actually, until before COVID hit, in the Adult Hockey League, which we affectionately call the NHL, the Nittany Hockey League here at uh, Pagula, I played on the Lions Pride team. Yes. <laughs> with Steve. Oh, there you so, go. Awesome. You know, but, and hopefully we're going to get back to it in full bore in, in the fall. But I met my wife through Penn State Hockey. Imagine that. <laughs> I was the vice president of the Hockey Management Association. She came to one of the original meetings. Her and her roommate were interested in, in helping us to sell ads for the program and sell programs at the game, do some of the marketing. And I still, I'll never forget, it was in Sackett Building up on the second floor. I remember when she walked in. And I poked my Jim Pollock, who was the president, our goalie that time. I said, whoa, check them out. And it's funny because I only ever dated my wife one time in college. And my, my kids will say, he said, dad, what, what was up with that? And my wife will always say, well, I was waiting for him to mature. 
And I say, oh, they're working out. <laughs> so, but no, she's really the brains of the outfit. And uh, she's the wind beneath my wings. I, she allowed me to prolong adolescence, as I like to say at the end of every banquet every year. That you know, And she loved hockey. She, she was a big hockey fan. She grew up as a hockey fan in Erie, uh, Pennsylvania. And by the way, both her parents were Penn State graduates. Wow. There's plenty. And my nieces and nephews went there. So it's, we are really a Penn State family and it's a lot of fun being around. And then my own kids, I'm very proud of them. I know they get embarrassed when I say that, but my daughter works for Boston Scientific. Uh, again, talk about the networking of the Penn State family. One of my former players, Brian Stevenson, was uh, working for Boss Scientific. And I just said, listen, she's working at Enterprise. He helped her hook up with them to get some sales experience. And then job came open in, in uh, his division. Boom, she got the job and she's killing it. She's doing great. And and then my son, Jonathan, is IST major. He works for a tech startup company called App Lovin that just went public in Palo Alto, California. And he's done, again, it's amazing. I'm 5'10". He's 6'4", wow. 210, does CrossFit. He looks like he could be the starting safety for an NFL team. And I'm like, Where, where'd that come from? <laughs> and, Again, just doing great software development engineer. And then uh, my son, Ryan, uh, is a supply chain uh, major in the College of Business, which I graduated from. And he's he's done something four times that I never did in my career at Penn State. In, in the two years he's been going, he's made Dean's List all four semesters. So he definitely gets that from his mom. Amazing. Excellent. That's a true lion legacy right there. And by the way, our dog. His name is Barkley after Saquon. Love it. Love so. it. Love it. I got to say, I, I feel old after you tell me telling me this because I remember when your wife would come with the kids and the, <laughs> the kids were small and now two have graduated and one's in college. So, yep. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, Joe, we've loved hearing about your super impressive career today. And so tell us a little bit how your time at Penn State is your undergrad at Penn State how that time prepared you for this career and all of your prof professional endeavors? It opened up my eyes to things I had never seen. I was first one in my family to go to college. And I got to tell you, when I first got up here, I was in way over my head. I still have this picture of me when my parents dropped me off up in East Halls. And I have this wide-eyed look. <laughs> and what am I doing here? I'm in the middle of no, I grew up in the city. <laughs> in Pittsburgh, <laughs> you know, here I am up in this cow college. And it really, think about back in the 70s, it wasn't like it is now with high rises and dorms with air conditioning. And so it was quite an experience. It expanded my uh, vision, my curiosity. Uh, like I said, Jim Kelly at DUS changed my life. John Coyle, who is known really as the godfather of supply chain, business logistics at Penn State. I'm still friends with him. As a matter of fact, Ryan is an officer in the supply chain club, and he just had Dr. Coyle on as a guest. And I, you still remember these relationships. And that was probably the biggest thing was just the connections. I'm still such good friends with so many of the guys that I played hockey with, went to class with. We're doing a reunion of the, I did the sport management back when they had that as a graduate major. I never finished that degree because they got rid of the program. But the last class that graduated that I was part of, we're all doing a big Zoom meeting 
on uh, Saturday at one o'clock. And we're going to have people from that class from all over the world that are in these positions in sports that are just amazing. It's going to be great to reconnect with everybody. And then the group of guys that I, I played with, they come up every year and do, they call it Ireland and state college. And we play golf for three days and just tell the same old stories over and over again. Fantastic. Uh, Toughest question of the podcast. Favorite Penn State memory. And this will be very tough for you, I'm sure. Yeah, so many, so many. Uh, It is really tough to pick one, that's for sure. But I I guess really, I can narrow it down to two. Go for it. One would certainly be when we played that first game in Pagula Ice Arena. That, That was just to be able to say, wow, a dream came true. The people that thought was impossible. And it really was, when you think about it. If it wasn't for the generosity of the Pagulas, that never would have happened. And uh, look at how successful it is and the job that the program, the success they've had on and off the ice is amazing. Selfishly, I was uh, Nittany Lion Club director in 2009, uh, Rose Bowl in Southern California, and uh, I got to introduce the football team, Coach Paterno. And so when I walked up to the speaker in front of anywhere from 20 to 25,000 people were at the pep rally and everybody's making noise. And so I just naturally walked up, put my hands up in the air and just said, we are. And the throng came back and I did it three times. I had chills like you wouldn't believe it was the most amazing experience. And I after I introduced coach and I walked off the stage, I, I texted my brother and said, this is the closest I'll ever get to being a rock star. <laughs> so, but it really, it was the culmination of everything Penn State for me, because as you guys know, I, I was a Lion ambassador and, you know, that for me to be able to stand up there and in front of all those alums was pretty special. And that's a fantastic segue into the next question. So touching upon Lion Ambassadors, you were, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were an original member of the Lion Ambassadors back in 1982. For those that don't know, Lion Ambassadors is a student branch of the Penn State Alumni Association. I myself was fortunate enough to join Lion Ambassadors 20 years later in 2002, and it was certainly one of my favorite Penn State experiences. I'll tell you a story, Joe. I remember when I was accepted, we had our first general membership meeting. And one of our first ones, it was early on, and you were one of the speakers at our Thursday evening general membership. And I can still remember, just as you have today here, the enthusiasm and the passion that you conveyed during that meeting, but how much Lion Ambassadors and Penn State meant to you. Leading into the question, I have to ask, what was one of your favorite Lion Ambassador memories? First of all, hats off to all the Lion Ambassadors over the years, the great job that you all do and continue to do. And because we didn't know what the heck we were doing back when it first started, but it had to start somewhere. And I got to tell you, the group of pe- people that were involved in a great vision and the, the, the most uh, memorable uh, thing for me, and it'll never change, it was the very first retreat when we all, after everybody had been selected, and we went out to Stone Valley and we stayed in one of the cabins out there. We were all there. Nobody slept. We stayed up all night telling ghost stories and jokes. And we were exhausted the next day. It was amazing. And uh, I am, again, still such good friends 
with so many of my fellow lambs that that you know and i that's an organization that if they come ross if they ask me and i'm available i'm there because they just play such a great role for our alumni association and current students for that matter excellent love it next question joe if you could go back and visit with yourself as an 18 year old freshman you mentioned the picture with you wide-eyed when your parents dropped you off at school if you could go back and visit with yourself in that moment what advice would you share stop stressing out it'll be okay enjoy this enjoy every minute of it because it's going to go faster than you can possibly imagine and it's all gonna work out it's gonna be all right i'm just glad that i was able to be around enough great people my coaches vance mccullough who was our club sports director back in those days just they're so again the people that were there they're gonna take care of you and the and probably the the other thing i'd say is don't ever be afraid to ask for help you don't have to go it alone you got so many resources i think it, it just comes back to i wish i'd have known coping skills a lot better back then than, than I do because I think I would not have stressed and I would have enjoyed everything even more than I did. And I loved my time at Penn State and still do. Coach, this has been fantastic. I love the energy, as Ross mentioned earlier, the passion, the philosophy, everything about you. And it's interesting, right, because you got that question so many times around why doesn't Penn State have varsity hockey? And I think that question was partly because people really loved hockey. But then I also think it was also because they believed in you and they saw something in you that you could take this university from a hockey perspective to the next level. And kudos to you for that, because I know I was one of those people that as a freshman really believed in what you were building and the program. And just to see where it is today is a credit to you. So congratulations for Thank that. You. Congratulations. You. I, let me tell you guys, it, it's between the relationships with the players, the hockey management association, the students, the booster club, the, the people I worked with and, you know, that I had my share of hiccups along the way. And thankfully there were people there that helped straighten me out at the right times, but wow, what a ride it's been and hopefully going to continue for <laughs> a ways. And I, I was blessed. Let me tell you those championships. I loved when you introduced me, my players won those 512 games. They won those six national championships. They were the ones out there doing it. I was fortunate enough to be the band leader. Well, so. Leaders are always important. So congratulations again. Thank we you. look forward to, following the journey and we always end with we are penn state lion legacy is a baruda production if you enjoy this labor of love podcast we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform